I'll tell you the worst part, dude. I've I don't know if if you're good at this, but I've always had a hard time when they're like, "Oh, which tooth is it?" Oh yeah, like, I don't fucking know. No. Like I think it's in the top left, yeah. but maybe not. I couldn't you know? pinpoint unless it was like a specific hole or something I right. could feel with my tongue. Yeah. So I, this was, you know, at the endodontist, they have to verify that all the stuff that the previous dentist said was right, you know, so right. they have to like figure shit out and like make sure that even though we know that I'm supposed to get this root canal, let's figure out, like, just make sure. And they have like the x-rays and all that shit. All the x-rays. They've yeah. done so many fucking 3D scans but and crazy thing they things all over whatever. One, yeah. So they're, she's like, okay, well, we're going to do some different tests. And so she like starts tapping around. Uh, I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like she's tapping. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like all of those kind of hurt. Honestly, like each one, she's like, I was tapping different teeth. I was like, yeah, I yeah. know. Like I, I like, it just kind of hurts. And then she's like, okay, we're going to do the air test. Does the air test and, uh, like, where they like shoot air in uh, and like that, I hate that didn't feel good. But like, again, it was hard for, I couldn't really like localize it yeah. as they say. And then she's like, all right, we'll do the cold test. And so they put it on the one, the, this like this molar, and it was like a cold tool anything. or something like it's that. It's this like cold gel on a compress. Oh. Does the I'm first so tooth. sensitive to that shit. It was like I didn't feel it, and oh, then the wow. second one, it was like, oh yeah, that like she's like, raise your hand if you know it hurts. I was like, raise my hand, I'm like yeah, like I that that mm -hmm. definitely hurts. She's like, well, that was the 14, like the not oh, the right Jesus. tooth, and I was like, yeah, I know, but like we next you know we it. think that the, whatever. She's like, okay, goes back in presses on the next one and honestly dude it was like fucking your butthole puckered oh way more <laughs> like i'm telling you i you turtled my up. whole body like jumped uh, i like kicked my foot i th i don't even know i might have yelled oh fuck you like, definitely yelled yeah you're like that's the fucking one it was insane yeah. it was honestly people in the waiting room are like uh, up the urethra yeah level uh, uncontrollable yeah uh, so it's like i guess i can localize it podcast let's do a podcast together together with you it's hank and dave we are making a show together <laughs> gearbuds podcast episode 175 my name is henry his name is dave hello and we are here together to make a podcast show for you and uh, this is episode 175. That's a that's a that's a milestone, number, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Every 25, I think, is like a big. <laughs> every five, I feel like every really five is good. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I do like the, the looks of 175. It Me might too. be it might be, I don't know. It might be my favorite odd number. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I'm excited for today's episode, my friend. I am too. I don't know how much of the jibber jabber from the beginning we'll get into this, but folks, I'm just going to warn you. I had to have another thing of yeah. the toothy stuff happen. Don't be mad Some if we have to cut it a little dental short. Dental work. So Hank starts there, to drool. It's a real beefer. I absolutely did drool yesterday, by the way. Uh, we've got so much stuff, so let's just get into it. Let's do it. You know? I'm ready. I'm not here for the sympathy. I'm here for the freaking symphony of corrections. Here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes, and thank you uh, so much. We're so, so thankful. The bottom of our hearts. And the tops of our teeth. Follow us on the stuff. Subscribe on the stuff. Email us at the stuff. Gearbudspodcast at gmail.com. And if you shout out, fuck, if you reach out, <laughs> we will shout out. <laughs> you should leave that giant fuck in there. <laughs> I might. And uh, I wanted to say that our, uh, our friend and listener, John Hummel, reached out and wanted to say that he, too, has an AC-15. Yes. David, and that he does not experience the insane <laughs> reverb uh, uh, issues that you seem I, to have. Okay, so um, update on the AC-15. Yeah. It's not broken. Um, it works fucking fantastic. I don't know if this is related. It's probably user error at the time. Uh, 
but I think I probably had the master like way too loud when I was messing with the reverb or something. Huh. Um, but anyways, I got a pedal for it. You got the, the, t- the two, the two the, button the foot switch. switch. And that, I don't know if it's in my head or whatever, but that's made a big difference. Now I'm, I'm rocking reverb, like, you know, right at noon, <laughs> I'm rocking some reverbs. I'm, I'm flipping the foot switch. I love the amp. Getting lost it's, in a dang I, Honestly, I was telling Mandy last night cause I was playing it for like an hour and I was telling her, uh, if that amp broke tomorrow, I'd go buy another one. Yeah. Or I mean, I'd get it fixed, but like it's, I love it, dude. It's, it's my favorite. I it's perfect. I mean, it's, it's the AC 15, the Les Paul. Or the strat. What else? What else do you need, really? You know, we're maybe just a cute little puddle board. But John, in thanks for reaching out. It was probably user error, um, but I hope you enjoy your AC15 as much as I do. Everyone does, and yeah, I think you got yourself a little cover for bought it. A, too. Bought a, one of those uh, vinyl amp covers or hmm. fake leather amp covers. Pleather. Pleather got a great deal. Uh, it's used. It's a little ripped up, but the cats are going to rip it up anyways. I have noticed they are starting to claw the front of the grill cloth, which I plan yeah. on replacing anyways at some point. But still, but still, it it was in great shape when I got it, or like pretty good shape, mm. and now it's it's sagging even more because I think they're getting their little claws yeah, into that it. Demon up a few feet she away look, from she's you. She's looking she's right uh, now. Guilty. She, I know she's she's done a damage. So on a couple I, amps I did me. invest in the amp cover, which I'm very smart. Happy with, so. Go buy stuff from my freaking reverb shop, GearBuds Podcast, GearBuds on Reverb. We sell stuff on there. Uh, I think, I don't know. There's there's some stuff on there. Go check it out. Uh, and I just wanted to put a little uh, stamp on the period on the birthday boys situation. I have Happy my birthday. birthday, my friend. Thank you. Belated. Everyone shower me with wishes of well. Uh, yeah, got myself a little, th- a little something. And... Uh, it came, so we're going to spend a bunch of time talking about it later, but you have to wait to find out what it is. Oh, wait, you're going to know what it is already because it's going to be the freaking episode Probably going to be the episode image. If let's, it's not, I'd be very disappointed. I know. Let's let's be real here, folks. It's a 1968 Gibson EB2, uh, specifically EB2C because mm. it's cherry. Cherry finish. Beautiful cherry finish. And uh, I I just got a smoking deal. I don't, I'm still not sure why. Uh, but you know when when lightning strikes, you freaking get out of the way and then go buy a base, <laughs> and that's what I did because uh, I it was and I, again we have to thank and blame Dave because uh, he sent me the freaking link and I was like it happens man I'm hitting the ball button and we I, balled out I, yeah yeah I mean sometimes you got a low ball like you know again we've talked about this but don't don't be offended if somebody lowballs your item it's the ball button can just there. respond uh, you know politely there was a counter and uh, just a. I mean, totally reasonable. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. You got a great. Time. We're gonna get into it. Yep. But uh, that was my birthday present, and uh, I also wanted to m- mention that it was uh, s- this month, September of 2022. 2022. Mm-hmm. 2022 is the 60th anniversary of the first Marshall amp coming out. I realized. Oh no shit! So speaking of birthdays, that's very cool. Uh, I didn't know this. Uh, the first day they put their amp out, the first prototype amp out in the in the you know Marshall drum shop. I'm sure everyone knows the story. It was a drum shop first, and then they made the amp. Uh, twenty three pre orders, first day in the shop. Wow, twenty three pre orders for a prototype. So that's cool. very cool. Yeah, happy birthday, Marshall uh, amplifiers. Uh, stopped in on my birthday. I was hanging out with our good buddy Jimmy. Stopped in to CME. Sent me some nice photos. Chicago Music Exchange. I got excited. You know, Jimmy, uh, he, he happened to be able to, I had the day off. He happened, it was, you know, it's a freaking Tuesday. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? It's a great time to go off. We store went now. and got some ridiculously delicious Korean food, by the way. Nice. And, uh, and this was before having to have the dental work stuff. So, you know, got to, got to enjoy it to enjoy my birthday. But, uh, 
Yeah, so he and Jimmy happens to be in the Les Paul market, so I was like, let's go to freaking Chicago Music Exchange. Got to catch up with all of our good buddies there. Played a bunch of Les Pauls. Did he like anything? He really liked. We learned a lot. He really. We'll be honest here, folks. uh, As long as it's a it's a good guitar to begin with, Jimmy's much more uh, looks motivated in this situation here. Like in term in terms of the type of Les Paul that he wants, it's it's much more about the look than the feel. Yeah. Well, you you told me he was looking at the Dirty Lemon Burst, and the Dirty Lemon Burst was which is one of my delightful favorites. The back on it could have been darker. You know, we we talk about dark backs a lot. Trigger warning. Uh, it's not, it could be a little. I, I feel like they could always be darker. Frankly, yeah. But the top on that was absolutely gorgeous. But you know we were Did going it have back that, and like, forth. Lighter brown mahogany back. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know what you mean. And uh, I would have even been okay with like a reddish. Yeah. Red, that's kind of like mine. Back. Mine's got Abel, the reddish. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the what, anodyne. An, an, aniline. I don't know. I always forget that word. I don't there's, know. there's a word. It's Lanol, a word I did lanolin, not know. Sheep's wool. And. I just wanted to say that place is the best. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, I, you already know that. I used to work with those folks, and uh, there's just still some really great people there. They have the coolest s- stuff. Uh, a couple things stood out to me, and uh, I'm sure this is par- just partially obvious to everyone, but still, much less vintage stuff in stock than I'm used to seeing in there. Mm. They are having a hard time keeping anything in stock. Wow, really? They're selling a lot. So That's cool. Yeah, great problem, but also like the put, puts a lot of stress on my friend Daniel, the head vintage buyer, and sure. all that sort of thing because they're they're just like constantly trying to find instruments at this right. point. So if any of you ding dongs out there have vintage stuff that you want to unload, why don't you bring it in to see me? They're super re- uh, reasonable. They're you know I, I don't want to say they're overpaying for things right now, but they they definitely are they're, hungry to bring in vintage yeah, stuff right now. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Um, is it? Do you think it's part of it because they're working on so many like of the CME special type? projects right now like there's that new telecaster that's coming out there's uh mm. the squire series that's i don't know out. i i i think it's really a re- more so just the fact that people are buying vintage gear right now yeah. and like the especially the real high-end stuff which is what the you know yeah. sammy's always been very good especially they have good player grade stuff too don't get me wrong but like you know where else are you going to go and there's just like a bunch of different pre-60s les pauls you know that is no yeah. longer the case they have like right maybe something from the 60s a few things from the 70s but like the, you oh know, yeah that was, there was the place. like they had like all the gold tops at one point right or there was a place where you're like i want to play one from every single year exactly that they were made all the way up until 1975 or something like the, and yeah. and that and, and that is just it is much more new stuff yeah. which i mean they're also selling a lot of that too it's yeah it's cool the store's the, doing the, well, the store's I'm doing sure. well yeah. and but uh, I, I will also say um not but just and i happen to have already mentioned this 1968 actually that's a no, it's a 68. My base is a 68. 68 okay. EB2. They had the cleanest 1968 EB2 I've ever seen. Really? In there. So it was, was pretty it cool. Was it cherry as well? No, it's uh, the sunburst? vintage sunburst. Cool. And, which is beautiful. And um, it, it honestly, like, if someone who had been like, yeah, this is, you know, just like a light relic from the Murphy Lab or something. You right. Because, like, you, you can always tell that it was from the 60s, but it looked fresh dude like it was so clean just clean daniel yeah. told me i was you know i was talking to him for a while love love daniel escarisa folks uh, go just go go Swing bother him and see me. yeah uh he was telling me that uh he he's like yeah i just i knew i had to ha-. it was like the cleanest example i've ever seen i wanted to have it because they used to have i don't know if you remember like you know down in the base room they would have like a full wall of just vintage fender yep now they have like half of a wall and maybe even less yeah you know and and like so they're they're it's 
it's it's hard to get good really good vintage stuff right now because people are just sure. buying it quickly or, or i should say it's hard for them to hold on to it for a while yeah they, they're buying it from other places so that was sort, the sort yeah. of thing he's like yeah you know it's 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 expensive but we've gotta we've gotta have the good stuff in it's here. interesting man because we were talking a few weeks ago and we're like the vintage market is out of control right now as far yeah, as prices right go, or for what for what people are asking and people this. are buying it apparently but they're buying it so uh and i think a lot of the people do a lot of folks are motivated right now to sell their vintage gear yeah. because prices are so high, or I should say at least asking prices are so high. If that in a situation where there is a market of a lot of new sellers, I personally know that I'm going to trust someone like a Chicago Music Exchange, yes, like, a Norms, like a Carter's, who you can trust and yep. say, I know this is the real deal. This oh, isn't yeah. A, this isn't. Uh, some you know bullshit replica or, a or whatever or refin like or whatever yeah. they're gonna they're gonna tell you what's up with it. You know what's kind of interesting? I just thought of this. I I feel like now more than ever there is a surge of vintage spec stuff on the market, like new stuff that's vintage spec. And I wonder if that's driving the actual vintage market even higher now because like reissue type. Yeah, like things? um, like think about it, like the Squire Vintage series. I mean, all the way up to like you know Gibson's doing a bunch of vintage spec stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, again those '68 tellies that they're coming out with. I, I think it, I think it, it absolutely. It's like a, the you know the snake eating itself. It's it, it yeah. All, it feeds into and itself. they're kind of like people are like, oh well, I want that vintage spec. Like it's a 2022, mm-hmm. you know, ES335. But maybe I, how much more is an actual you know original 335? So like. There's kind of, I bet there's that, you know, mental process going with a lot of people yep. who, who weren't into the vintage game maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So. Dude, I, I mean, I, 10 years ago, I was just, just starting to dab, dip, dip my toes into the vintage game, you know? Jacuzzi, baby. It's, it's and, and part of that is just having been able to afford it, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. you get to a certain age where you just like maybe start to make a little more money and then you're like, oh, I can finally buy that first vintage Les Paul I've always wanted. Right. And then you just fucking just plug it into your, your Marshall stack in your, uh, in your garage. And oh, baby. There you go. Uh, oh, uh, speaking of gear market, uh, the full tone pedals has announced their closing, okay. which I kind of, we kind of saw that coming. We kind of saw it coming, uh, whatever, you know, we don't need to get into the drama, all that, but I will say the fucking prices <laughs> it was crazy dude. on the OCD I, there has was gotten not, insane. There was not one under $250 in fucking for an OCD pedal yeah. that. I don't get too I don't get too worked up about prices, but that and that then is fucking people insane asking to me. upwards of like five six hundred dollars for the for the version two, which is yeah. the one that everyone likes. Which, by the way, I've played them all and they're all fine. And I, they're actually I I do like the OCD yeah. as a circuit, but there's so much out shit, there. Yeah, five or six hundred dollars for oh my yeah. god, they, those wild. were those were like sixty to seventy dollars used for for just until real real recently. Yeah, I was so, I actually just saw one on Craigslist. I didn't see it, but it was like two hundred. Are you serious? Yeah, there's one on Craigslist on right Craigslist, and I don't know if it's a version one or two or whatever it's the white one because they're up to four but it's just just, it's a oh (laughs) it's a steal of a deal my my sweet my sweet lord which will be my transition into the next story which is that freaking one you sent me right before go time here yeah about george harrison's les paul interesting story right I had never heard about this. I, before, it just folks. popped up on my notifications. I was like, "Oh, this is cool." So uh, maybe y'all know about this already, but it was news to both both Beatle freaks on the freaking yeah. mics right here. Uh, so we all know about Lucy George Harrison's uh, Les Paul. It was wine red, gifted by or cl- yeah, gifted by Clapton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of great it was shots. A Fifty-seven of it in Les Paul. Get back in get back, yeah. which we did a whole freaking podcast yeah, about. Go back and listen. To go that listen one. to that sheet, but. Uh, that guitar in the 70s was stolen. 
and this it's kind of a strange story go look it up but it, the guitar gets stolen harrison was living in i think like long beach or somewhere in california yeah what i don't remember where some beach and it gets stolen and uh it's like oh that's a bummer guitar eventually turns up for sale gets purchased by a gentleman from mexico who's in the united states the news of the sale somehow gets back to george harrison and the gentleman camp, supposedly didn't know that it was george harrison. not knowing that it was george right, harrison just start. a les paul yeah. then george harrison's camp gets in, involved contacts this gentleman he's like oh shit it's this is this is like a beetle i i need if 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 i'm gonna give you this because originally they were saying like we'll give you the money that you paid for it right and then he's like, That's no, like no 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 if no. i'm gonna give you this i need some crazy That's a treasure stuff. yeah exactly and that included a freaking 1958 sunburst les paul that les paul yeah. standard the holy grail a holy grail and a, a i think he wanted a p bass too right wasn't it? Uh, it was some sort of fender bass i yeah. can't remember what it was yeah i don't recall but uh, and the, and George Harrison said okay, yeah. so he went. I think it was to Norm's, uh, maybe Norm's Norm's Rare Guitars, mm-hmm. and bought the a 1958 Gibson Les Paul, which we need to just talk about for a second because that might have my favorite top on an old Les time. Paul that I've ever seen. And it's not something you can just recreate in mm-hmm. the in the in the Murphy Lab or no. something. No, I mean it's. It's the wood itself because it's it's not like a very figured. It's a pretty plain top, yeah, but it has some a... sort of weird things going on with it still that mm-hmm. were probably mostly covered by the sunburst, which is very faded and in a very lovely way. Yes. There's still a little bit of red, you know. It's there's it, there's a mostly spot. that orange fireball orange color though. And, and and almost it's like and I don't even really like yellowy guitars, but man, it's got oh, it's just it's perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I just I oh. Uh. So that's the guitar that this guy that George Harrison went and bought and gave this guy. And to did get they Lucy say back. what year this kind of all happened around? It was in the mid seventies. So this transaction. Yes. Because what's interesting is a burst wasn't really that expensive in the mid i mean it was expensive it was a right but guitar. It, like people knew guitar players knew that those were, those were special guitars, yeah right. but it, you're right the, it the wasn't up two hundred thousand no, dollars not guitar. at all he's like okay yeah to get because it's not like the 57 Les paul's a slouch you right know, but yeah, it's absolutely he wanted a 58 and he wanted a, an offender bass and then so now it, this guitar the reason we're talking about this is that this guitar is now up for auction is now yes. someone who someone who now i don't know it's changed hands if it's that guy yeah i don't know who's selling it but it is via heritage auctions mm-hmm. which is a very obviously uh prestigious prestigious uh, uh and and trustworthy organization mm-hmm. uh bidding starts at 250 which is, of course it's going to go higher than that because oh, yeah. it was a beetle involved in the story um it's and it's all uh, the electronics the pickups are all original i think yeah. the tuners are the only thing oh, that are, are not original interesting yeah, they've got non-stock clusons on there and bidding closes on september 24th so if one of you ding dong listeners has enough money to buy <laughs> one of these things first of all kick a little bit to your your, your buds the gear buds yeah because we, we found it for you and uh, and then go buy it uh closes on september 24th and let us play it yeah please cool cool Deal. Real quick, notice this. This is kind of big in the metal world. Uh, Mark Morton, guitarist for Lamb of God, who for a long time, as long as I can remember, has been uh, endorsed by Jackson and has mm-hmm. multiple signature guitars, is now officially a Gibby man. Oh, wow. So And, and he's playing Les Paul. So that was kind of why. So I are they going to make him a signature? One would, a th- would think. This is like fresh something. news. Okay. And, and, the, and the one thing I want to mention about it is that their Lamb of God is about to go, Lamb of God is about to go out on tour. And he's officially going to be playing Les Pauls, cool. Gibsons, and Epiphones. And every night 
one of his stage played Epiphones you can buy. Oh, really? There, you can get a special ticket package that includes stage played guitar, which I think is actually kind of wicked. So you get it like at the show. At the show, you you go like to the. That's the what you're saying. Mark Mark Martin was saying like you go to you come you're gonna come see Lamb God and then leave with my guitar. That's cool. That's cool, man. I like that a lot. With the with the spit and jizz all still over there, you know? Oh, yeah. Don't wipe it down. No, man. you no, never can. You no. can never change the strings. You can never play there, it. Yeah. Never enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I just think that I've never heard of that before. I think that's a really neat idea. I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to start a band, go yeah. on tour, and then try to sell my guitar at the right. end every time and take a Plus massive, huge hit. Great fucking promotion for Gibson, too. It, it is. It. It's and, and then you know that they're going to do a signature. They yeah. have to. Yeah. Uh, I would guess, and I'm not the first to come up with this, but I would guess it's going to be some sort of Firebird-looking th- looking thing. He's always played kind of mm, like a reverse Firebird shape. Or non-reverse, I should say. Have you heard? I've been ha- I've had this on for a couple weeks. We've got to talk about two more things in the symphony here. Have you heard about this whole fake AI rapper situation that was going on in the world? FN Mecca? Yeah. I saw it like on Instagram mm-hmm. or something, but I was like, what the hell is this? Yes. Okay. Well, I can tell you. Yeah, please. Uh, FN Mecca. As long as is, NFTs aren't involved, I'm I'm, I'm all in. Uh, probably somewhere. I'm sure somewhere down the road, right? Uh, one would think, or originally, and I just don't know yet. Well, here's the deal. So there's this rapper created by this team of people, three com- basically computer programmer and like rap fans, I guess, and they created this AI rapper called FN Mecca, where basically it would be like they would feed in a bunch of sort of like data and rap lyrics into this machine learning algorithm and then allow that to sort of generate the lyrics and the music and right. it was all like sort of ai based and and in, in, there is no and even the voice itself was sort of generated via ai means and like the um you know the it's all programmed the look yeah. and, and feel like everything about this is ai generated interesting right? they, like fe- they fed it things interesting which is how all terrifying at the same time yeah. right but so this rapper computer generated rapper fn mecca got a deal with capital records oh good for him <laughs> is it you can you say him good for good for it that yeah uh so that happened and almost just as quickly, Capital has now already severed ties with FN Mecca. Oh, it didn't work out. Well, you might be asking yourself, why didn't it Did work out? Because they couldn't meet him in person? Not only is this the first AI-generated rapper uh, that had a you know record label deal, this is the first AI-generated rapper that got canceled for being racist. Oh, no. Because... Because they fed a bunch of rap lyrics into this thing, these non-black Ooh. men, the rapper who also, I don't even know what you'd say. It looks sort of, I don't even know. It was sort of like a weird green color or something. Yeah. You know, use the N-word a bunch in the music. Oops. Just like a bunch. Yeah. And uh, really perpetuated black stereotypes. And, and like, again, I should, like, not that it would make it necessarily even better if it was black people doing it, but like, these were not, these were not black men or right. women creating this project with the N word in use. Right. They fed right? that information in. So, and uh, spit it out. yeah. Capital is like, we're out. Yeah. We, can, we can't be liable uh, for this kind of shit. And, and they're done. So, well, um, as uh, easy come, easy go, I yep. guess. Based on AI, uh, gets gets. I'm sure the songs like. I'm sure there's like fans of this. I've listened to it. Have you? It's not great. Was the music uh, generated AI too? It was. Yeah. Like like not the lyrics, but the actual. Yeah, the music itself too. All because that that part interests me a lot more actually. The lyrics, the chords, the tempo, all based in AI. Interesting. According to the creator, 
Which there, yeah, I, I'm all about the idea of like generative music. I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't, if it was good, I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Um, it, made, it makes me feel a little creepy, but yeah. it's, I don't care. Like We're whatever. Closer and closer. I'm not, I don't feel threatened. Judgment day. But, you know, you know. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of internet talk about AI generated, generated art right now because of that, um, the whatever, uh, why can't, I'm blanking on the name. The one where you type in like. Uh, my cat wearing Elvis Presley glasses, and then it's like a bunch of gener- AI generated images of that. Yep. People, artists are upset because it's starting to get good. Yeah. And it also, I think, you know, there is there is a valid criticism in that it it is also pulling from artists' copywritten IP. Well, I was going to say there has to be some sort of uh, original art in exactly. There. Yeah, right. Eventually, it it distorts it to the point where you know it's there's you know i can see i can see an argument either way because who like every guitar every note i've ever played on guitar is only because i've heard other guitarists do something that i like sure you can't copyright like a note right right. and so like i I, but like that's still the note that i play is the ai doing the same thing is it just taking in a bunch of influences and then creating its own thing even if even if it's so easy to see like i mean do we do we say that fucking you know, I don't any any of the, like the the white blues men that copied Stevie Ray Vaughan are they are they like AI? You know, or, or are they just, are they not original? Are they right? not ori- right? Yeah, but is that is that illegal? Is that right. inherently wrong? This is all part of the argument. It's I don't a know deep if I have, conversation. I don't know if I have a stance on it yet. But right now, I do like a lot of the pictures that I see. I think they're pretty funny. <laughs> right. I think it could coexist with like real humans making art. And and so yeah, I agree. And, and to get back to the original point, uh, you know, AI AI generated music, yeah, that's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm not worried. It's not I, impressive to me. That's the thing about it. Like I get impressed yeah. when I see a human creating a piece of art, whether it's a painting or a guitar solo. Mm-hmm. But to see a robot do it, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, and I am impressed when. Well, first of all, th- there is one exception to that, and that is captured by robots because I love oh, watching those see, robots play music. Combining <laughs> the two greatest things ever, robots and music. Yeah. But also, it's also the interaction of a human with those things, and I think that's the important part for me. Like, I love computer-based generative music, all that sort of stuff. But also, I love seeing somebody had someone doing so, like interact with it mm-hmm. in real time and yes, move too. it around and whatever. So uh, interesting, yeah. man. Interesting cool, stuff. One cool last, com- I wanted to talk about one last computer thing because uh, this happened very recently. You might have seen this come up in the news as well. That it turns out that the uh, Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation music video. I do remember that one. And song and everything. It could crash windows, and by crash windows, I mean the the operating system software. Hmm. Uh, what does that mean, Hank? Well, it took a while to figure out for people on the internet, and I've watched a few different videos, including a very good Adam Neely one, who's a, just like an incredible musician, bassist, and uh, YouTuber. But basically, they figured out that there's a specific version of Windows that was running on, and and they've discovered that the source was actually the hard drives that that specific version of Windows was running on that operated at 5400 uh, RPM. There was a there's a part of the song <clears throat> in the chorus actually that and then it turns out it's in the bass which you know I'm sure is cool for you match <laughs> that matched the natural resonant frequency of those specific hard drives. Wow. Yeah, dude. And and it's crazy. It's so deep because it turns out that and this is this is something that was very common, and and I know that you have experience with this too. That you know, even going back to like 
um, uh, who or- orchestras would compete back in the day to sound more brilliant than they, than mm. one another. And the way that they would do that would be to slightly t- tune their instruments sharp. They yep. would go like above 440 to all the way up to 455, people are saying. Sure, sure. It turns out that Rhythm Nation isn't really an E. It's actually tuned up about 40 cents to 450 hertz using Verispeed over really? time. To make and and only I should add only the single slash video version, not the the record cut. The record cuts straight tuned normally. Oh, they very speeded the single, and they would do this for a lot of songs, dude. They they showed a version of uh, Baker Street, but you know Jerry Rafferty, mm-hmm. fucking great song. Yeah, the they 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 played the album cut and then they played the single version. Really, it's wild how much faster and higher pitched. It yeah. Is. And so, so they do this by just speeding it up slightly. Exactly, yeah. and and so that was that was what they did with Rhythm Nation, and it was that the the particular the single version would hit something around it was like eighty two point four hertz or something yeah. like that is what E would That's be. That's so funny. And it crashes uh, computers. It crashes, That's and they and they were amazing. able to replicate this recently. Cool. Like they've, they've shown that it could. Oh, really? Still do it, and then eventually, and it was only like I said, a specific version of like Windows ninety five or something, yeah. and then eventually. They went back like many years later and repatched it, so that wouldn't happen. Anymore. I might be wrong here, but I I believe and maybe at least live. I'm not sure about the records, but I think Queens of the Stone Age might do the same thing where they they go up to like four 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 or something like that. Well, they they're they're usually tuned down to see tuned down. Okay, so I don't know, but I don't know what the like at what yeah. reference pitch. Because I, I was then I was thinking I was like, oh, I've played along with some of those songs. And it's yeah, they're fine, mostly but. in C. But I, I have had a jam. We I have a buddy who we play with, my buddy Johnny, who. He, Every time we play, yeah. it's like go to four four four, and I'm exactly. like, "Why?" But then we do it, and I'm like, "Whoa, this it just has like it's a little more energy." Noticeable. Yeah, I mean, like you notice it a lot when you sing too. Like if you're singing yeah. with the song, you just sing that a little tiny a little bit higher. higher, and it's yeah, it's cool. So uh, I just want to say there was one quote that I just wanted to make sure I dropped in here from sure. that Adam Neely video where he said that baseline's so sick it's a cybersecurity threat. Oh, nice. And it's true, the baseline is pretty sick in that song. It's a it's like a, a real bass and a synth bass layered, yeah, of and course. it's pretty dope. Fuck yeah. uh, so if you happen to be rocking a go back and fucking Windows ninety five, but it has to be the the video version, not the that's right album version. That's right. Cool. Freaking. I wonder if Spotify speed. has both releases. That'd be interesting to see. Because you know how they always have like sometimes they'll have like different versions. I might have myself a little Jan Jackson night around. I'll find out. I could go for that. And it's at that point that I, because my face kind of hurts, I'm not. Yeah, gonna we'll give you a little break. I'm gonna see Dave's socks. Well, speaking of technology and instruments, um, and I was kind of talking to you about this, so, you know, a little bit of a spoiler alert for you, Hank. You already know what I watched yesterday. But I watched a, I wanted to find a Cars documentary because I was was thinking about the Cars. And not like automobiles. Not the automobiles, which I do enjoy, Mm -hmm. uh, documentaries about those as well. But the band, the Cars, you know, uh, Rick Ocasek famously, you know. And a little man named Elliot Easton. And a man named Elliot Easton. So this specifically, so let me. I'm bearing the lead. The uh, The documentary doesn't exist. There's no documentary for the cars officially. I searched high and low. If anybody knows any good ones out there, please send them my way. Well, there's a little story about that you told me. Well, I found I found one called Cars Unlocked. Yeah. And but I think I was either reading it wrong or it's or they make it sound like there's two parts. There's Cars Unlocked and then there's Cars Unlocked, the live performances. Yes. I believe there is a Cars Unlocked documentary that is like more like interviews and stuff like that, but I couldn't find Wasn't it. Wasn't there one that you were saying that got yes. buried? So apparently, and this is, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, because I was reading on a forum <laughs> from like from like 2005, <laughs> but uh, VH1 did a behind the music uh, about the Cars, yes, 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 and yes. they never released it. Because? Because maybe it was 
too put them in a bad light or yeah. maybe they were partying too hard. Like a bunch of dicks. Maybe. I don't know. The interesting thing is I found one on uh, YouTube called Cars, Guitars, and Elliot Easton. Yes, you did. And I was excited about this because at first I was like, I don't really know who Elliot Easton is. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fully admit that. You knew you probably knew that he had a signature Gibson. You've probably I, seen I've that probably SG. seen that for sale, mm-hmm. you know, at some point on Reverb right. or something. But I will say, um, I kind of, you know, I, I, I click on this YouTube link and I'm like, I'll check it out. And I'm kind of skipping through it. And then it goes to a part where he's talking about his guitars or like mm-hmm. his favorite guitars. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this because it gets into the gear nerd, gear buds oh, land, man. which we love so much. So Cars, Guitars, and Elliot Easton. Uh, when did I, it come out? I think, okay, I think it was released in 2006, but the video on YouTube looks like somebody filmed it with a camcorder. It does, yeah. <laughs> and the sound is bad. And then I realized they um, they did all, so what it is, is it's Elliot Easton being interviewed and kind of throughout this and he's showing his home and he's showing mm-hmm. like he's got a car collection and guitar collection and all this stuff. And it's between uh, the the third and fourth album, so that was only like nineteen eighty oh, wow. or eighty one. Yeah. So that is the time frame of which this takes place. And I'll, t- and I'll tell you in the world that Dave sent this to me, I put it on and realized that I was in no shape to actually like pay attention yeah. to something yesterday. Oh, yeah. So I have not watched this yet. But I actually, dude, I'm genuinely going to. I'm going to sell. I still have. I I'm going to sell you open. and all of our fans yeah. on it right now. Um, so it's not a story about the cars so much. I mean, they did talk a little bit about mm-hmm. them They're from Boston. I did not know. Didn't that. know that either. Yep, there was a lot of a lot I don't know about the cars. Uh, I honestly couldn't pick them out of a lineup. I would have thought that they were a West Coast band. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, why. I you could have told me they were from New York City. You could have told me they were British. I, I really didn't. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Their first record sold four million copies. Oh boy! They recorded that in England, actually. So did, were they? Were was this like? Were they youngsters? Was this their first band? Or yeah, were they, no. Well, they were actually in a band beforehand called Captain Swing, and that was Rico Kasich. <laughs> Uh, that was Elliot was in that band. I think it was like almost all the same guys except mm-hmm. for like one or two guys. Um, and so they formed in 1976. So I think that band was like 74, 75. Um, the first record came out late 76 or man, no 77. They formed in late 76. Um, they instantly went and recorded the record. Mm. It, they were like, we'd be happy if it sold a hundred thousand copies and it sold 4 million. So they're like, cause she's like, you know, did you think you were going to be famous? And he's like, I mean, it's always in the back of your mind. But like we didn't think it was going to sell this many records, mm-hmm. you know. So that was kind of cool. The guy's really humble. I really enjoyed him uh, being interviewed. Mm-hmm. Super smart, very charismatic, but also like very low key. He's. I feel like he's uh, anything I've ever read or heard about him. It, it, make, it makes it seem like he's a, he's a guy. He's like a generally well liked, cool guy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They actually, if you if you love Rick Ocasek, there is a small interview with him at the end. Oh, cool! Uh, where she's the same uh, lady is interviewing him, so that you can get a little bit of Rick in there. But yeah. this is really about uh, is about Elliot. Tell me so, about some freaking guitars, dude. I will, but check this out. Yeah. Here's what blows my mind. So, this is the part I've I've never even heard of this in my life. He's a left-handed guitar player. Yes, he wasn't always a left-handed guitar player. Wait, what, dude? The manager of the band was like, "You guys would look better no. if you play left-handed." Shut up. Will you learn guitar left-handed? No. He said, yeah. No he goes. Way. He goes, think about the Beatles. They Their guitars were facing different directions. I agree directions. completely. I, I'm, sh- I'm not. Unless, I, unless that he's makes lying, my stomach hurt. Unless he's lying in this interview. By the way, not just being like. Makes co- me, that honestly makes me feel so nervous and anxious. It makes my stomach hurt. I, my palms are doing, sweating. Thinking about doing that. Oh, my God. Dude, I, I mean, I wouldn't even for fun try to play my guitar upside I down. I do it sometimes and it makes me sad. So when he started playing, uh, he didn't have a left-handed guitar. He just played the notes upside down yeah. uh, on a right-handed guitar. I guess that's Jimi Hendrix did, that's, right? No, he restrung. Did he restring it? Yeah. Well, this guy didn't. He's like, I just learned everything backwards. And then when I actually got a left-handed guitar, I had to relearn upside down what I was playing before. 
It's crazy. I can't talk about Dude, that anymore. It's, oh, it really makes me blows my Dude, fucking shit. mind. Um, so that was fucking cool. So that made me be like, wow, I'm really happy I watched this because I've never yeah. in my life heard of somebody. He started as a right-handed guitar player. The only sort of, not even the same sort of near parallel I can come up with is, uh, oh God, why can't I think of Def Leppard drummer's name? Having to read and learn to play with one with arm. With one arm, yeah. But that's, that's I mean. And that a, was just so he could like stay in the band. And oh, wow. And he did that in like a year, I think. He took Wild. him to learn that. Or nine months or something. Yeah, and that's, again, that's like still like totally different. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's so crazy. So that fucking blew my mind. Um, what else I like about him as a guitar player I think he's maybe one of the most underrated guitar players of all time. He uh, in Best Friends Girl, if you listen to the lead line, because he plays it, it's a cool interview because he's sitting there with the Strat that he has, mm-hmm. which we'll get into. He's like, it's plugged in, so he's kind of like playing. He's like, well, yeah, like you know, Rick kind of goes do 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 do, you know, and plays like the chuggy parts. Mm-hmm. And I love it. he doesn't use any technical terminology, which makes me think he's probably just self-taught too. He's like, he plays a country like a rockabilly country western line. And if you go back and listen to Best Friends uh, bing, Girl, bing, bing, dude, it's so it's so wacky and like and you know it's 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 great. And then you're like that would never fit. And that's and when you listen to the song, you're like it fits perfectly in the song. It's fucking crazy. And not to mention, I forget the bass player's name, but he's excellent too. You know, Dan Liu would have a lot to say about this because yeah. he did that cover set that's with like right and michael shannon that's right where he he dan was basically doing the elliot parts elliot parts yeah, yeah yeah it's fucking amazing so let's talk a little gear we said there was some strat situation so he's playing so during this interview and it's cool because all his guitars are kind of behind him and I'm like, oh i hope he shows all his guitars and they you could tell they edited it but he showed a few so mm-hmm. we'll get into those uh he's playing an orange strat and i don't even know what this is because it's 1980 mm-hmm um, I don't even know if it's a Fender because I couldn't get a really good look at the headstock, but it's it's identical. It's either a Fender or maybe a copy like a lawsuit or something, but it's a rosewood board, orange, white pickguard, maybe Fiesta red with a matching headstock, which they didn't really do on strats Weird. from the 60s back then, unless you custom ordered Love it. Love that. But I think it might have been like a Fernandez or Was something. it a big headstock? Uh, like this, Yeah, like the mid-60s style, which mm-hmm. would be accurate for a custom 60s but he didn't really talk about it when he's talking about the guitars he doesn't talk about, about that one strat, in yeah. particular so uh then they show him doing a solo for uh, the dance all night lead riff in the studio like i think it's the actual take he's playing a uh, of course lefty e3 e335 red with the gold hardware Ooh. big fan of that are we sh- you're sure it was a 335 and not a 45 or a 55 Ooh, i think 335 those those they can be easy to mix up i my know friend. Usually the, the the inlays are the sort of easiest ah. giveaway. You know, it was hard to tell. We'll just say we'll just say for the pedantic among us, an ES, a, an ES style, double cutaway, double cutaway, <laughs> probably a semi hollow. What was the? Uh, no, the BB King one wasn't like. What was the? Uh, that would BB. Well, he's played a bunch of what three fifty five was the. No, this the I, yeah, I don't think this was that. Anyways, I'll have to go back and i'll have to go back and watch and of course the the grainy footage of the uh, i know exactly they made it really hard i'm i'm honestly if i find this cheap on ebay i'm just gonna buy it on dvd wow i think it's i think it's really good so then he gets into this fender telecaster i wasn't sure what year it's a blonde telly uh white pickguard i believe and it was uh he said this is like my favorite guitar i can play this on anything if this Mm -hmm. is the only guitar that i had for the night because he switches a lot of guitars on stage uh, he's like, I'll play this for the whole wouldn't, show. Wouldn't that be so fun to have the luxury of being touring and just like be like, I'm gonna play a dozen guitars tonight. Yep. So then he breaks out, which I already told you about this one because I couldn't contain myself. A 19. He goes, I I have this. This is probably my my most uh, rare guitar. I have a 1964. He called it a 
purple burgundy mist, but it's just it's burgundy, burgundy mist. mist. Sure. But original to the point where the strings and hang tags were on it when he got it. The original and it had Wait, the burgundy uh, mist. What Stratocaster? Oh, Strat. I'm sorry, yeah, I didn't say okay. 64 Strat. Uh, custom color match. Uh, Let me hand no it. matching headstock because those didn't have those. Yeah, um, yeah, but burgundy, but mist, still custom color. He said when I got it, it was like the person just never touched it or played it or whatever. So wait, so real quick. So and those custom colors, those were those were like car paint, right? They were used. They used car swatches. So you're telling me that back in 1964, MFers were rolling around in burgundy mist. Hot rods, maybe. Oh man, because this is a custom that sounds color. amazing. Yeah, I know. I've never. Seen I want to Bur- live in that I world. I want to burgundy mist car. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, one of my favorite colors of all time. Can you imagine an age Fiesta car <sighs> with that like salmonish kind of orangey pink? So that here's what's more rare about this, and this is like the thing that I kept not even thinking about. He's like, I think there were about sixty of these made ever. It's also a lefty, oh. so that makes it even yeah. rarer. So it's fucking it's incredible. Did I hope they, he still has So it. he wasn't he wasn't rocking the the Gibsons much Did then? not show the um as he has an SG uh signature, signature yeah. which is white with uh gold hardware. There's also the Pelham. Well, there the Pelham is there were more of the blue made. Yeah, I he think didn't the, it didn't show him playing any Gibsons except for that three yeah. questionable 335. Uh there's another thing. He had a Dean prototype and you'd have to look this one up. It's kind of hard to explain. It was ugly as all shit. But he's like we're still working on this one right now, but he drew basically drew it. It was ugly. It's bro. It is. It's brutally bad. But I, it sounds like he had ties with Fender and Dean at the time because he was huh. like, I worked, and then he worked on a Fender Strat prototype, which I think became the Fender lead. Do you remember those? I do. The two pickup, nineteen eighty two. I believe those were released. He's like, we're working on this one right now, and this is like a prototype. The, at the I'm time, working you with. know, I, re- I learned recently the lead two was sort of like a replacement for the Mustang. Interesting. I was like, this is kind of our yeah. in, uh, cheap. Uh, two pickup thing yeah this, this one uh in particular it had the two pickups but i believe it was a humbucker in the bridge and a uh, just a single i think in the uh in the neck and then it was like a natural finish too which i thought was interesting huh. so he but he said like i've been working with research and design at fender to come up with this guitar so that's fucking cool um and then he had finally uh the dean explorer it was a dean explorer style body with a cheetah uh finish on it that I, I love everything. And I guess about he's, that. he worked closely with them on that as well. Dave, I have an important question for you. Yes. Is Elliot Easton still alive? Yeah. Yeah. He's still yeah, kicking. I think okay, so. Cool. Yeah. Are they, yeah. Are they still all kicking? That's a good question. I think Rick's still alive. I don't know. I don't and know. so that's interesting too, timing, because I, now I can't ask the questions like, oh, did they break up and did they hate each other and all that? Because it's like it's, it's it's early on in the t- their career, right? It's really funny. Well, so yeah, it's between the third and fourth yeah. record, because they were talking about getting ready for the fourth record, which is Shake It Up. Huge success. Um, but it's funny because throughout the film, they're talking about in which they released four records in four years. I think I think it was that mm. quick of a turnaround. But he's in, in like throughout the film, the interviewer is like, well, you guys are all like really good friends. He's like, yeah, we're all like great friends. We get along. We never fight. He's like, we all have this band so we can go do other things like have side projects or just have families or mm-hmm. whatever we want to do. The band is like the reason we can do all that stuff. Which is an interesting way to look at it, you know, because a lot of bands, they don't want you playing with other people and starting other projects. But it sounds like a lot of these guys started their own projects. Well, I'll tell you this, Dave. I'm sure you know, but uh, Rick Ocasek was a producer. Yes. And uh, I was a fan of his production work before I was a fan of the Cars. Interesting. Because he produced Weezer's Blue Album. That's right. And one of the greatest. I was freaking obsessed with that as a child. So uh, Um, I didn't know. I I forgot about that. That's interesting. 
He said in the because during the Rick part of the uh, the film when she's interviewing him, he talks about how he's like, we're all genuine fans of music. She's like, well, how do you find the bands that you produce? Because he's talking about mm-hmm. his production career. And he's like, he, I forget the name of some band. But he's like, yeah, I just got done like working with this one band. I'd never heard of them before. Did you mean the Shrimp Dicks? Yeah, the Shrimp Dicks. Uh, he's like, but it gives me a chance to work on all this stuff. And he goes, I find these bands. I go to these shows and I pick these bands off stage and I'm like, hey, I want to produce your record. So like that old school, like that's the dream. I think I've fantasized about that scenario like <laughs> right? 5,000 times in my life. That just and like, like the A&R guy day. who's going to give you like a exactly. million dollar contract. I just I saw you from across the room and I just, just had to come sign y'all. That, he said like, that's what I would do. I'll just go to these underground shows or these like small bars and small places and you got to get a word out around, around town. So the last piece of gear yeah. I will talk about is um, they go in t- inside and this is again, 1980 or 81. They go inside their private studio slash rehearsal space. Yeah. Which is in Boston. And Boston. It's fucking sick, dude. What is it, dog? It's called Synchro Sound. I'm sure you could Google that and look up some yeah. of the interiors. But but they basically found like a warehouse. They completely gutted. This is what they used their money on. Every inch of the warehouse they built out. I mean, everything from the lighting to the walls to like the finishes to all the gear, of course. Everything is specked out the way they want it to be. I thought it looked a little 80s, you know, when I saw it. Kind of late 70s, 80s looking. But um, everything from, like, the baffles in the ceiling to hide the light fixtures and, like, all just all this stuff, man. It's really fucking badass. And I think... Synchro sound. When you watch it, it's kind of towards the end. And then they have a jam at Synchro Sound. Um, Elliot and... I forget the keyboard player's name, but he was... uh, Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. He was kind of one of the big big players in the band. Yeah, they had multiple... They all wrote, right? Yep. Yep, and uh, he basically was like, they all wrote like um, their parts basically. Oh, like Elliot, she's asking about the writing process. He's like, I just write the guitar parts. Oh, so Rick Rick O'Casey wrote the songs. I think he writes okay. the lyrics. Which you know what else is funny? Just what I needed. They show a clip from that in the beginning. You know the the most famous Love song that ever, song. The, the fucking Circuit City. Have, like, I just jam my first ever band destroyed. jam I had is like a sixth grader. We played that was one of the songs we played. I might be mistaken, but I'm 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 ninety nine point nine percent sure. At least on stage, the bass player was singing that song. I know you loved that. Well, I just thought it was interesting. I thought Rick was doing all the vocals of everything. Yeah, I, 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 I don't like, know. Oh shit, that's the bass player. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? We need a real Cars doc. We, we need, need an in depth Cars doc or a biopic. I'm down with that. Ooh, but just, would it be about one particular member, or would it be everyone? Oh, kind of like the Queen one, maybe. Okay. Like kind of yeah. like you know all the guys. But anyways, um, I fucking loved it, man. You got to watch it. It's it's really bad quality. But I noticed once <laughs> I started watching it, I kind of zoned out. I love it. I got past. You really got to watch it. You're gonna hate it. The the static was like, you know, it's it's pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, especially during like they show some live performance parts, and it's it's pretty rough with that. But all the interviews are worth watching. It's fucking cool. Cars, guitars, and Elliot Easton. On YouTube for free. Check it out. We're going to check it out. Thanks, bud. Oh, I didn't oh, gets a rating. Come on. All right. All right. Catching me off my game here. Uh, I'll do my little summary and the rating. You didn't give us a summary. Top most underrated guitarist ever. Charming. Question mark. Charming. Humble interview. Calm, confident demeanor. Knows guitars. I love this guy. More of a doc than I thought it would be. Super deep cut interviews. Mm. Uh, and if the sound was perfect. I might have gave it a 10. Holy jeebus. But the sound was bad just because of the copy of yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm going to give it nine, 9 out of 10. Okay. Best friends, girls. <laughs> That's the arbitrary rating. Dude, honestly, I fucking nerded out way more than I thought I would. I loved it. So are you going to, did it make you more of a Cars fan? Yeah. It made me a fan of his and a fan of his playing. Because so I feel like turn, we yeah. talked about this before and like neither of us were, like we like Cars, but we're not like 
diehards about it or anything. And you forget how many hits they really. So many had. freaking hits. Yeah. I so I went and saw when they did the cars thing. I like I went and saw that. Oh, you and, did, and that I that was my takeaway. A not not only was it so many hits, but B it was just like I didn't even know some of these were the cars. Same, same, absolutely. There was one also about a girl maybe a girl's name or something i don't mm-hmm. remember but that one i was like oh i didn't know that was a car yeah. song yeah they kind of they show them playing like multiple songs throughout the film and you're like oh i didn't oh they do that, that one, one. Too. Oh. oh i can sing along with this one so mm-hmm. very fucking cool man but yeah somebody make a cars doc please like an official one That'd be we great. can add it to the list of docs that we need to make <laughs> i need a new list of that that's for sure Oh, buddy, what do you got for me, it's dude? time for some freaking future gear, and we're going to take it back to the past. So I'm going to say there's a lot of stuff on here. I don't think we're going to get to all of it because I'm feeling a little, a little yeah. sore. And we, but and we got we to gotta wrap we've gotta, else, we've got to We've got to talk about this bass sitting next to me right now. Yeah, we do. <sighs> but is that that's not future gear. Do you want, you want to do any future gear? I, that's the thing. I, let's talk about this bass and then see, see how long it goes. Wrap and it then, around. Because there's, there is a bunch of new gear and future stuff that I want to talk about, but cool. I just don't know how much we're going to get to today because okay. I'm, I'm feeling a little weak. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. Beca- but, and that's what I'm saying. I want to get to this base first because I feel like we need to spend some time yeah. wrapping. Yeah, use the good, uh, the good saliva for that. As a reminder, folks, it is a 1968 Gibson EB2. And then we'll throw the C on there. Everyone just calls it an EB2. Yeah, in the cherry if, it, if it was a, if it, if it had an original two pickup setup, it would be an EB2 D D yes for dual, or I guess it would be a CD. So then, it, yeah, I was gonna say, would it be a D? Or it's, okay, a two CD. Right. Interesting. And um, it is cherry finish. It's an unbound. So it's got a Brazilian rosewood fretboard, which I just wanted to say that out loud because uh, it's always a nice little flex to mm-hmm. make. Uh, you know, like all all Gibson's uh, <clears throat> sort of hollow bodies at that time, it's a like ply mahogany maple mahogany situation on the body. Um, beautiful thirty yel- inch yellowed binding. Yeah, uh, beautiful. I I have to agree. It's the like almost orange. Is insane. It's so cool. It's so so lovely. Unbound fretboard. Uh, it's got the thistle little crown and the headstock inlay, which is just even more incentive for me to get that fucking yeah, tattooed on. That's me your finally. favorite, dude. Tulip headstock tuners, uh, tuners on the headstock. Um, so it's got the original Mudbucker, but it's also got another pickup installed on there, which, folks, is an EMG. Not one of your favorites. My maybe one of my least favorites. But we don't know because it doesn't. It doesn't seem to work right. Doesn't seem to work. We, Dave and I've I've had it for a couple of days now. I've been playing the crap out of it. It feels amazing. Not sure about the electronics yet. So it's also not only has it does it have an extra pickup installed to mirror as we already talked about the EB2D. It's the same setup as that. Yeah, same pickup, same spot. Area, yeah. But you know, of course, that means someone was then going to have to do some extra electronics work. So they've added two more pots there's an extra volume and tone presumably because again it's still that part pickup still sort of wonky yeah and an extra switch so the the base originally had a switch to go into what they call baritone mode which is like lops all the top end off this does some wacky stuff i don't know what's going on with the setup right now but (laughs) i'm almost afraid to change it because i like it so much it sounds cool uh, maybe just I don't know. Just change the pickup. Maybe first. just just open her up just to kind of see what's in there. Well, the thing is, is you can't really open up an instrument like that. You got to just like take all the stuff out, and that's yeah. kind of a bummer. Well, yeah, you got to take the strings off and then just pull the pickup up from the top. Yeah, and I'm then just curious about the model of the pickup. Through. Now, my yeah. theory, 
is that is an active EMG pickup. That just has a dead battery in there. Yes. Yeah. That's my theory. I think that I it's now, a, it's valid. There's no cavity for it. There's no so which makes me wonder if either out. maybe they just never installed the battery or they popped a battery in it, dropped it in where they routed it. Yeah, and just left and it. And just left it and let it die and Maybe I'll get like it. a magnet out someday and fucking fish that baby out. I don't I have no there idea. There might be like an old 9 volt in there or something. Uh yeah. So it's 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 really interesting. I I've found well, like I said, it's a short scale. That, that, that was really a thing. Obviously, folks, we all know I love me an old Gibby. That's yeah. like my thing. Yeah, you've been looking for a while. We should And I've preface. been looking for a short scale for a long yeah. time, for years. Looking at especially the Gibsons, the EBOs, but, and, and, been, and And they've been, I've been close a couple times yeah. with, the, with the O's and 3's. Uh, because usually the EB2s are just a little too expensive for yes. me, you know? Yeah. But they are way cooler. And way cooler. Yeah. And uh, so, first of all, I, I would like to talk about the Mudbucker. Yeah. Because... I, I don't. I was gonna say that I feel like it's unfairly maligned. I'm not sure if I would say unfairly. It's definitely maligned. Let's get that out in the open. People talk about that pickup like they don't like it more than they mm. actually like it. I think, mm-hmm. right? You mudbucker. Mudbucker is not exactly good. a, a it's term not like, of endearment. It's, it's not like it's not like a honeybucker right. or a sex bucker. It was or something. a nickname it's like, for the humbucker, which is to not, make because it's muddy. But yeah, you know, bucker. ironically, <laughs> uh, dude, it's a fucking single coil. It's not a fucking humbucker, by the way. Right. Oh, uh, and so it's it's a it's a fucking. It is just a giant s- single, single coil. Yeah, dude. I don't know if I ever knew that. I mean, where where would the other where's the other coil? I don't know. You know, I never opened her up. So, uh, yeah, so it's single coil, and it's got enough hum that like when you when you crank up some distortion, you're like, oh yeah, it's a single yeah. coil. Fucking pick up. Uh, that's interesting. But I have been just pleasantly surprised yeah. with what I've been able to get out of that pickup. I was so far. too. Yeah, you and, were too. And the strings that have. Uh, I'm probably going to go need a tetanus shot. After Those this. strings look like they're original. Literal rust they're on so the strings. They're so old and made me feel real gross, but I, I didn't want to change it yet because it's just been like the... Well, first of all, I had to have my face drilled open yesterday, so yeah. that's been part of it, but like... I just I don't know I I didn't want to make any changes. However, Dave so kindly showed up with a whole bunch of freaking <laughs> strings for me strings. today. So I'm gonna at least get these ridiculous yeah, gross, just, grossos just off clean, there. Yeah, just and throw some flats on uh, because that's I think that I mean that the, the point of getting this all along was to have a thumpy, vintagey yeah. sounding flat instrument, and then I'll keep the P bass as the like rock zinger now I, uh, I, with with steel strings on there. I will say, uh, especially with the flats that I gave you, the mm-hmm. old, the Roto Sound 77s. Yes. Um, those are high tension, so they, good. You you may have to adjust the truss rod. Well, what I was gonna say, dude, these this is a short scale bass, so it's really th- that's gonna even it out, right? right? I was actually thinking about it because you and I were talking about getting some low tension yeah. flats on a short scale instrument. I feel like hot, medium to high is actually the move because mm-hmm. it's you you want especially because as you know, I like to tune down. So yeah. I, oh yeah. I think I'm gonna to want to compensate. Yeah, you for kept that it as much standard for me. I, I would did. say thank you. That's I, uh, when I first got it, I immediately put it in my tune yeah. and played it like that so for a couple awesome. hours. Yeah. It sounds fucking sick, but the the low E is a little too floppy mm-hmm. for me. Um, but then, but the, you know, I actually of between guitar and bass, I way prefer playing bass and standard than I do guitar and standard. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It just makes more sense for me. Cool. Um, and what I play, and so like, and also, I, there's just like a lot of fun bass licks that i want to yeah. play and you know i don't feel like i'm glad you left it in standard because yeah. i i always get like caught up when i have your tuning yeah. like i don't know how to do this now even though it's not but i i mean i have to play i want you back like that's just like the, the song <laughs> you know and so like it's a good bass to play it on. Be, i and it, it does the thumpies mm-hmm. uh, one other thing that i've noticed about this uh really loves 
a pick. Yes. Which was surprising. I liked playing it with a pick as well. Right? Yes, very comfortable. It changed the it changes the sort of overall vibe of more it. attack on the pick. Obviously, these are all yeah. like duh. But um it really cut through the amp a lot brighter mm-hmm. and a lot fucking cool. And we should say we're just playing through my Roland, you yep. know, it's a it's a decent amp. It's still I a think practice it sounds great. Amp, but yeah. Uh, you still I still have and, and I've been playing a lot through the Kemper playing it direct as well um, you know so I'm getting a real use of the sound but let's talk about pickups a little bit because yeah at first I was thinking maybe I wanted to to replace the both of them oh but now I kind of think I want to keep the original 60s mudbucker in yeah. there and then just replace the sort of weird wonky EMG yeah now I what another one of our friends and listeners Mr. Jody Miller uh no, from the uh, base what are the what is the base club what's their what's the what was their podcast the base bros that he did with uh, mark oh uh, yeah the base dad base, base daddies base, I don't nerds? Know, base nerds there it I is think. he uh he saw my post about it because uh, folks if you don't know this i often tend to post things on my personal instagram and then yeah. and then sometimes our listeners will go and watch that and then they get it spoiled they know all oh, shit hank got a new base we're gonna talk about we're it we're gonna talk about it on the show but jody is a real real life friend of mine and he reached down and was like is that a fucking emg <laughs> i was like dude i'm yeah. so glad you noticed that so funny he recommended two pickup makers okay he said that i if it was him he would look into curtis novak who probably makes like that exact replacement size mm-hmm. already sure uh as a drop and i know for a fact they make excellent p-base replacement pickups too. okay i see it love yeah. to hear that uh, i've only experienced their Jazzmaster pickups mm-hmm. and they're delightful yeah i've heard good uh, things and then also local bass company i believe is pronounced Sarek. Mm-hmm. uh he said that he he believes that what's his name jason Sarek? i think they're a local they're a chicago company yeah makes a single coil that would just agree very well with the mudbucker I, I believe those guys are right by uh bothy oh really mm-hmm. oh i think I they're in that, that same like little no area way by the practice space yeah. wow had no idea so not only thanks jody for the recommendations i'm definitely looking to those two things one more uh, if any of you other bass boy listeners out there have any thoughts on uh, pickups for this thing definitely i mean i think i like i said i've decided i'm gonna keep the mudbucker if you I, yeah, have like any that. any suggestions for that for that bridge pickup now also um you dave yeah i'm curious if you have any thoughts on that i i my thought is i don't know what brand yet mm-hmm. i would decide on my my initial thought when i saw it was like find you know either a vintage or a reissue if it fit uh just to kind of make it more original ish like the like, like the, the eb3 the has that it, like or the, the original or the eb2d the, the eb2d yeah. exactly get that pickup if it fit and now now you do have a situation where obviously somebody routed this yeah. emgs are i don't think those are very standardized but maybe i have no idea uh maybe they are i don't i don't know i mean i've only put them in like a like a pj style base that's uh, a good point i'm gonna have to really take the pickup ring off really get the under- measurements of it. understand exactly the exact size under there yeah i'm excited when you open that up you gotta let me know what's yeah what's, i mean we'll hang out because there will probably be a uh, open that'd be cool there's there's probably a cereal under the bottom of that pickup so you could look it up um but anyways i would get something wacky like what a- aside from getting the replacement vintage style mm-hmm. if you just wanted to kind of make yeah. it look more original what would wacky be maybe like a weird like you know Diamond or something like crazy oh, in there, like a toaster, like a foil kind of deal. or a Gold toaster. F- oh, dude, I like that. Just idea. something that's and because you've already got it in the bridge position, yeah. So it's gonna have a thinner tone. Yeah. So why not take that all the way and just be like? Plus, if you can blend them, like I think that three-way switch could be hooked up to a blend. Yeah. Uh, I'm open to change the electronics. And I mean, I yeah. want to keep the original. If you could components. blend the the mudbucker with like a cool like TV Jones or like a Diamond pickup, dude. That'd be sick, dude. And it would look fucking cool. I like the sound. They almost go like sort of like a Gretsch angle with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, ooh, 
uh, the the Hammond Darkstar pickups, I believe. Oh, the ones that Guild but uses. But I thought, the, isn't that the Mudbucker size? I think they make they might make a smaller one. If they make a smaller one, that might be a move too. Lakeland makes. It might be worth reaching oh, out. We gotta to talk Zach. to Zach. Lakeland makes. I just saw Zach on my the, birthday. They call it the shy Hi, Zach. The shy Sonic pickup, which is a smaller footprint. Oh, dude, that's a great a call. Basically. That's what like a lot of their Skyline series. The decade base has that. Oh, I gotta that go might, with it. dude. Maybe that I just bring perfect, this. Maybe would, I just bring this over to Lakeland. Yeah, I mean the cool thing is you could do that, dude. That's what I'm. I'm gonna call Zach. I'm gonna be like, yo, I want to bring this over. Let's crack it open and then decide what to put in. Plus, it. he could look at the electronics. That's and what like, I'm saying. This is all fucking crazy. Um, that's a really good idea, dude. Mm, that's um, a great idea. The other thing is, yeah, I think I think it would it would look fucking cool. I like the idea of not having to make it bigger, mm-hmm. like make the route bigger. Yeah, I I would. I'm, I'm open to, to that, but yeah. I don't want to. Like, what I wouldn't do is put another mudbucker there. Well, I was gonna, to, like, I've actually I saw someone do that yeah, online. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's kind of it's a common thing. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've seen it. Um, it it's cool. I get it. But I don't. You're just getting two of the same thing. Yeah. At that point. I mean, obviously with the tension and the the bridge placement and all that. But I say go go weird with it, man. Oh, that dude. I kind of like what you're. Th- I do. I like a gold foil would fuck right there. Now here's the other thought. Well, let, let's say just, you know, hypothetically, let's say there's a fucking battery inside of there and you replace it and that EMG works and it sounds sick. Would you leave it? Of course. Yeah. I, I mean, it makes me feel cheesy and lame. You could put a cover over it. You said you had a bridge. I cover have the original it. bridge cover. It's I want to see It's that. in the case, yeah. which, by the way, I have a case. I, I, I don't think that that's the original case. It looks old as shit. It's a case, though. It's a big honker. Uh, it has a the best part is I bought this base came from California. The it has a vintage Chicago's finest rock ninety three point one WXRT sticker yeah. on there, and that diamond logo. I hit up my buddy who used to, who used to work there named Jimmy. We've talked about him already today, and he brought up that that's like I think that's from the nineties or, or earlier. Mm. So it's a you know it's a pretty old sticker to have on that case. The case looks like it was gigged. I mean, holy shit! Oh, this uh, the this case is beat up. The, this, the guitar is yeah. the guitar is nice checking too on the back of the neck. Yeah, you can tell that it was played, but it's it doesn't have like a like giant wear spot doesn't have like anything. a buckle rash on no. the back or mm-hmm. nothing yeah yeah um, it does have a headstock repair i don't think we've talked yeah. about that um but it's Common. you know it's super old it's, you can tell it's a very old repair and it's like probably it didn't i can't i can't tell i can't i don't know I'm no you, you really can't see it, it doesn't really you can feel it but um you can't really see it that well and you can tell that it was you know someone did a decent job it looks like the checking that goes all the way down the neck so that's why you yeah. can't even yeah notice that's true it anyways so um, yeah, I'm really happy with how dark the the cherry is in person. I was a little yeah. nervous about that. Uh, it actually I, it matches my SG very well, which is surprising because my Ooh. SG is you know from like the 2000s. I'd like to see those next. Time. I also need to get a family pick of the hollow bodies together because oh. I now have three vintage Gibby yeah, hollow or semi hollows. Uh, yeah, you, you know, getting a little excessive. A nice Gibson they, collection going on, buddy. I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I kind of want to get rid of all my fenders and only go Gibby. Is all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think I would have to hold on to that fucking... I, I've got to keep the telly and the P-Base, but yeah. the Jazzmaster, get the fuck out. Make room for this fucking Gibson collection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, oh, I was also going to say, um, we talked about strings a little bit, Yeah. but um, I'm just yeah, I'm just going I'm just going with flats. Yeah, I'm just getting put in flats. I like there. the because uh, you're you you want to go through zounds. I like those low tension flats that they have. Which ones were they? I want to say they were labellas, maybe. Okay, yeah, labella labellas. But they that, specifically labellas, are labella low top tension. Top of mind, and then there's also the ridiculously TIs. expensive Thomasek infield yeah. or whatever it TIs, is. Call them the base world, the B boys. Ti flats. Yeah, they're like eighty bucks though. They were like 120 bucks. Oh, were they? Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. First of all, 
you know, they get the little, little discount. But also, the real the real thing is that I if I put those on there, I will probably never yeah change them. You don't ever need to. So I, if paying you know whatever hundred bucks for a set yeah, of strings feels for crazy. a lifetime of strings. But if that's it until I yeah. ever get rid of that base, or frankly, if I sold it, I'd probably I'd take, take those off. off I would and, too. You put know, those nasty things. Put back the on. nasty boys back on um, there. Uh, I'm very curious to hear how you like the roto sounds too, because yeah. those are great strings. Uh, like again, they're higher tension, so I'm curious how that will work once we put them on. Because I, I remember I had them on my jazz bass, mm-hmm. my Getty, which already has like a flimsy neck on it. Okay, and I had to instantly Crank take it to get it set up. Yeah. I I took it into a guy because I was like, this is kind of fucked. Yeah, but that was a, that's a really rare thin neck. I think this thing will be fine. Well, here's the last thing I want to say about it. Mm-hmm. This particular era, 1968, is known for having what they call the lifting base or the lifting bridge, which yes. this one is has. It, it's solid and it and it's intonated I, as far as I can tell. Well, as far as a, a a bridge that doesn't allow for intonation can be intonated, but I'm thinking I Hipshot makes a replacement that I think I might just buy and put on there. What do you think? I say obviously string it up first and like C. So do the flats first. Yeah, yeah. Get it kind of put okay. back together. Yeah. Because that's something you know. You so might do this. Not you're saying phases, to. like I think phases. F- do the flats, then then Cielo's field, yeah. then maybe by the bridge. Plus the flats, then like maybe replace the pickup. You can take those strings off and put them right back. Okay. On. Yeah. They, it's not like guitar strings where you kind of have to be like, oh, need a that's new. That's it. Yeah. Need a new set. Um, I will say, hip shot is awesome. Uh, I had a Ibanez uh, Rickenbacker copy that the I literally that the. Piece. Do you remember? You played that in Volcanoes. Yeah, I, I did. I did. Um, we covered Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Don't remember and, that at all. Yeah, we did, though. Uh, but that was the bass I played. And I will say that fucking bridge, because it was like a cheap lawsuit, it literally snapped in half. Oh, dear. I have a photo of it somewhere on like my photo bucket account or something. Yeah. Of it. It was just pop metal. That's like they use the yeah. cheapest fucking metal. So I bought a hip shot replacement that was made for the Rickenbacker, and it fit absolutely perfect. All the holes lined up. And even the action and everything was better. So it was like a huge improvement. What an but, endorsement. But there's really nothing wrong with the way that plays to me right no, now. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It does. It's just I know that I've read enough about like the fact that the bridge doesn't sit flush yeah. to the body. Um, that just like it's a thing that people correct. So, you know, and, and the fact that Hipshot makes a product specifically it's, you're not going to have to drill it in. Yeah. No, yeah, it's yep. it's and and I guess those bridge posts are are slightly offset to, because of how they were, it was originally designed. So like a lot of standard bridges don't even fit right there because it's sort it's of like big, cockeyed. Yeah, right. So when you look at the hip shot that is a replacement, the it's made. the eye holes are actually they're like ovals. They're like yeah. offset in a weird way. Yeah, I mean, I like I think it's definitely on the on the table. But it, like when I just played it now, I was like, this thing plays great, dude. I mean, it's dead dead flat action all the way up and down the neck, which is all you can really ask for. Would you do chrome or nickel? What? Those are options. What's everything else? Well, that's the thing. I feel tuners like the, are nickel, right? The Obviously. tuners are nickel. The the pickups the, chrome. The pickup looks chrome. I'd go nickel. I'm afraid that the chrome would. It looks like the original bridge might have been chrome, but it's so old and corroded. It's like I'm afraid a new chrome bridge would make the base look too new. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I would definitely go okay, nickel. I'll nickel it up. Yeah, nickel plus, and dimer. plus the nickel will kind of age better, age faster. I just prefer nickel in all ways. I, I do think. too. Yeah. Especially on pickup covers, they just get the the thing that's the like the and the uh, Duncan Antiquities get that just nice nice look to them. I'm getting that on the uh, the Les Paul covers. I don't think they're nickel though. I think those are chrome. I think right? those actually I don't rem- I'm, I would have to look at it. They're they've probably got chrome. some nice kind of like little yeah, pitting. Just the little pitting going yeah. on. I love that. 
You know what? Funny fun fact. Yes. Because uh, I've been looking at Gibson Acoustics recently. Uh-huh. Do you know why so many Gibson Acoustics uh, have that bridge lift issue? Why? Because they would finish the guitar before they put the bridge on. And the bridge glue wouldn't oh, stick to the, to the finish. The nitro finish. And uh, it was, I read this like it literally with some guy who was like, we just had the bridge replaced. Here's why this happens. And then so a lot of people, when they get them fixed, they sand that part really nice yeah. and they re-glue it. So it'll just never go anywhere. It's That's interesting because a lot of the old Martins, mine included, they would, for the pick guard, they would put the pick guard on before the finish. And that's why the pick guards lift now right. because there was a certain nitrate in there or some bullshit that yeah. over the years has evaporated out. And now it sucks the, the pick guard up, which will often cause cracks in yeah. the tops of your guitar, which right, mine, mine had hanging repaired. on to the wood. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm, I, Dude, yeah, I, I just want to, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to, I have got the, that most recent soldier strap that I got with the three thirty. I've like got that. that on there right now. I think it's it nice works. on there. Yeah. Um, I, I'll know that this guitar, I think it's a keeper. Mm-hmm. I'll know that it's, a, I've decided it's a keeper when I will, A, first of all, decide if I'm going to, that's one last thing we didn't talk about is the, the, the frets definitely need a cleaning. That'll be nice. I almost feel like they, it could use a refret. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty low, but you know, you, uh, I, I agree it could, but you'll find once you put flats on there, it won't even really won't make even a difference. Much, as much of a and, deal. And those won't eat up the board at all either. So yeah. like I've had flats on my P bass forever. I've never had a refret on that Sweet. thing. They're, they're low, yeah. but like it's not, it's not buzzing. It's not affecting any of the tones. So, well, we'll like I was, I was, we'll know that this is the, the flow. It's an ultimate keeper when I Get a strap. Put, uh, put or put strap locks on it. Cause it still just has the original pins. Quick update. I totally forgot. I put strap locks on the last Oh, ball. you did. Yep. So I can run around the bedroom and go crazy. Do fucking shoulder flips. Got a real set that match and fit and everything. So. Dude, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, Dude, so I'm so happy. I'm so I, happy. I, 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 right after I bought it, because I did get a, just a wicked deal on yeah. it. But even still, I I got it like immediate buyer's remorse because I was just like, oh, what am I doing? I just sold two bases. Like I'm trying to get rid of stuff right now. Why am I buying another thing? But then I remember it's like, oh yeah, it was such a good deal. And then it came and I and I really loved it deals only matter when you're going to sell it and i don't think i'm going to sell this probably yeah. at least not for a long time well, but like it's, it's a also, peace of mind to yeah. know that you can get money back or get more money on it if you decide to sell it down the road i could right now no question in my yeah. mind i'm pretty sure that i could take it to like a shop and they would give me more money sure. than i paid for this probably which is just strange but um that's i was also a little nervous i'll be honest that it was yeah. going to show up and be a box full of bricks or something i mean box of bricks or it could have just been a total dud itself yeah i mean you know the funny thing about ads and when people talk about how great something plays or even if they don't say it um which i don't recall if they mentioned how it plays they talked about it being a great ad. instrument i know that um it's funny because it's so you know subjective it's like exactly if it plays great to you because you have banana fingers like, <laughs> that's great freaking dude, tony like, robbins banana yeah, hands i'm over, over here little goldfish fingers so well goldfish boy um dude i love it man i can't wait to come back next week and hopefully play it with some other strings it'll have it. flats on there at that point because i do have a this is day one of a four-day weekend yeah. and um you know i i'm still convalescing so yeah. uh you know probably not going to be like out in the world doing all that too much but i think you got some great plans some base time. i don't think that you're going to do anything to like you know, go crazy. Um, I'm really excited to see what's under that pickup. And uh, I won't know what I'm looking at with the wiring situation, but I'm sure if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh, this is exactly I don't know if on. I would because it's it's just there's a, it's, wacky. It's, it's wacky. Yeah. That's so probably happened in the 70s, dude. I know. Oh, Might be a bag of weed on there. Heck of a dude. time, dude. <laughs> Can you imagine how stanky that would be by now? Yeah, right. Just the grossest just old. Like, and even like when, because like, weed 70s was still weed? Like bad back then. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seeds and stuff. It's like a corn husk. <laughs> 
Oh man, you know what? So there's so much stuff on here. I think I need to I, let, let's just talk about one. Okay. One. Piece yeah, of we'll beer. hit the rest next week. Because and we're actually we're already fully into beef or territory. At this yeah, point we are. Anyway, Thanks so. for listening. If you made it this. Yeah. Far. So, uh, but there is what I think honestly is going to be the pedal of the year. Dude, that is a was big, announced. That's a big statement. I know. And now, I, what you think, or was it? It's what I think, and but I also think the world is going to think. Okay. Once it, it, maybe the world is not aware of what this is. We have been talking yet. major pedals every episode. I right. I think we're in a bit of a pedal renaissance right now. We are. One might, might even say, but this could be the pedal of the year because it, it's sort of like the boutique slash. I guess at this point, vintage fucking connoisseur cork sniffer dream come true because again, coming with the hits as always. MXR love them has announced their partnership with Analog Man. And their f- pedal that they have made together called the Duke of Tone. And if you're an Analog Man fan, you know a couple of things. One, a- Mike, Analog Man himself, is a genius and tone genius and got his start modding as a lot of these pedal people do. But he was like the first boutique guy that like really got a lot of cred and fame. Mm-hmm. And really, I would say, is mostly famous for the King of Tone. The KOT, you see it, the KOT circuit, you see it talked about in hushed, revered tones. And it's a beautiful circuit. I've never actually owned or played, frankly, a real one because they're very rare and he still only sells them directly. And right now, for the King of Tone, there is a five year wait. He's still making them, you know, and not charging like exorbitant fees. But if you were to get on the list right now, five years, five years. That's crazy. So, king of tone that is a dual pedal it's basically got two identical circuits more or less in it and you can switch them on and off it's overdrive it's a distortion overdrive kind of thing yeah that's king of tone prince of tone is one half of that right so instead of being able to cascade two of them you can just get one smaller footprint it's a it's a really tonally and it's it's an interesting thing it it doesn't sound like a tube screamer it kind of does its own thing but Mm -hmm. it's juicy and kind of crunchy um, but you can use it as a boost, whatever. That's Prince of Tone. Duke of Tone, which is this new MXR pedal, is effectively the Prince of Tone. It's this. It's almost I- the identical circuit, but also has a couple uh, has has a switch on there, and you can choose a couple things. We'll get into. So um, again, if we didn't really, if I didn't really. If you don't haven't if you've never tried the King of Tone circuit, go yeah. try to find a clone or it seems like they're, a version I mean, of it. They're really cool. They're really cool find, pedals. Yeah. But the but I, like you're gonna have to find a clone or try to build one yourself. Maybe you know if you've got like a freaking Kemper or um, a Helix or a, they have uh, that. That's sample. you're gonna find yeah. that in there. Right. Um, it's 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 essentially a it started from a Marshall Bluesbreaker circuit is okay. actually what it came from. That's cool. Initially, uh, Mike Pierre came up with that. And then, uh, again, so it's got this new pedal, three knobs, volume, tone, gain, what you'd expect, and then a three-way clipping toggle switch, boost, OD, and distortion. Uh, boost has a, quote, clean <clears throat> yet vigorous bump. OD uh, adds grit and compression, and then distortion is sort of like more of both of those things. Mm-hmm. I watched a long video with Mike himself talking about this. And and one of the, the reason that you want the King of Tone is anybody can go buy Marshall Bluesbreaker and like mod it or whatever. Sure, sure. Yeah. Very common. Mike, the analog man, he, you're buying those pedals for 
the the fact that he is this tone connoisseur that has selected the components and and you know made sure that every part of it is exacting and right. he has worked with mxr to make sure that that still comes through in this pedal because you know so I, what i should add is that this is um it's like a smaller footprint it's not a full size single pedal it's like a, almost kind of like a midi, oh, mini, like a micro mini pedal. Mi- yeah but yeah. not as not as like fully micro but it's still, it's smaller yeah okay and usually the way to do that is you have to move everything to smd surface mount components so okay. you no longer have like the you know big beefy capacitors and, and which is where a lot hole. of the tone comes from so. so mike in this video that i watched went through how he he made sure that every single part of the signal path in the circuit you know the actual physical components of this that touch anything to do with audio they're all still full-sized surface or a through hole components okay so it's there will be still surface mount stuff inside there but that's all just for like the you know foot switch or the thing that like doesn't it where it doesn't matter and doesn't have any sort of like impact on the tone Mm -hmm. that's all going to be surface mount small stuff to make the form factor small enough but he's got like wyma caps in there it's very he was very insistent that the audio parts are all still like to his standards and they said yes for everything that he said the ics and everything so um i look i I have too many fucking distortion pedals. We all freaking yeah. know this, but all I, things, like, right? I'm genuinely stoked that this pedal that again, five year wait list to get it right now, it's like crazy. It is now going to be made available to the world from the man himself. And, and he's made sure to partner with a, a company that can actually execute this. And Great name behind it. And like, yeah. look, I've got the MXR. My, my favorite b- boost pedal is that MXR that uh, was with Custom Audio Electronics. The same thing where they just partnered with a real high-end boutique right. maker to take their thing and, and get it out in the world. This is the same kind of deal. I love it. Pre-orders are available right now. Coming out October 1st. Dave, what are you paying for this pedal? Oh, man. I mean, I think they're going to give it a more reasonable price tag, right? It's MXR, baby. Yeah, but you know, again, it's still. It's, let's not forget, it's Analog Man, and right. it's and and Quality. they know what people are willing to pay for the, you know, used ones or the the uh, new ones. Yeah, I'm going to say 180, 149. Ooh, I almost said. Love that. when you go over. Yeah, me too, man. It's a nice surprise. I am, and I say this about a lot of stuff on the show. You're getting. I am going to buy that. Yeah. For sure. And in fact, I think with your Les Paul and freaking AC15, it might be the perfect compliment to yeah. your tone. Because, you know, I've been trying to get you just like a little dirt box out there. I know. I know. I'm still messing around uh, with what I want yet. But I know. I'm getting a lot of just natural drive from that amp, too. Of course so I'm you happy are. with that. But yeah, it's oh, you can always push it further. Well, right? it's not even pushing it further. It's just making it different. Different. Right. Right. So can't wait to shout out to mxr it. man shout out to mxr shout out to Doing god's work yeah and it was actually it turns out it because um mxr is dunlop they're you know same parent company and everything and one of the people that works for both of them is uh way huge george trips right uh who also if anybody doesn't know go look go look up george trips he's he's created some of your favorite pedals including the line six dl4 but he actually was the one that reached out to mike himself and was like yo what would you think about partnering with Uh, us and making this and they're like yeah that sounds awesome that's badass so it's all really just like the names that you want these top names are all working together exactly yeah the super the super friends and and they're making it super tones for all of us because I'm going to buy that. And it's purple, by the way, which oh. is just like I freaking love Beautiful. purple. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. Dude. And for 150 I mean, come on. Buck 50. I would get on. I think this is going to be one that I'd get on that pre-order or like try to buy one new because I think these are going to come out. They're going to go like hotcakes and then they're going to come up in price. They're, they're going to go. Up, on the I market. think MXR 
we'll eventually have the resources to put more up, but I think you're right. I think this initial run will sell and then they will be expensive. Yep. So if you want that tone now, pre-order is a move. Dude, I just remembered I have pre-ordered that. um, It was a book slash um, oscilloscope. Oh yeah. Still haven't gotten that. Whoa. That was a long time ago. That was a while ago. (laughs) Was that like a year ago? No, it was probably several months. Yeah. Got to check into it. Just remember Speaking Jeez. of pre-orders, better look into that email. Oh, I'm so disappointed. There's so many more things on here, but I just honestly, it's time. Yeah, got to call it because uh, my face hurts. And we've, th- we've we been are, going. We are officially in beef. Well, we'll have some good stuff for next week. Got though. plenty of good stuff for next week, and I've already got like half an outline written. So <laughs> Great, dude. Freaking. Can't wait. So, Dave, thanks for listening to me. Freaking dude. bellyache about my face. Thank you, and thanks to our listeners, and and thanks for thanks for being a first of all. Sending me the link for that bass, being hey. a friend on that, and then and then and then coming over here and playing it and letting me listen and understand that yeah I do like this and how it sounds. I want to keep it. Yeah, I really I really really like playing it. I mean, I could have tell told you right away if that thing was a dog. Yeah, that is that's got a lot of life in it, man. It's a good it's a good dog, instrument. Dog's got some legs. That's right, man. Well, friends, if you made it this far, thank you for that. Thank we you. love you. We love doing the show together and for you. And uh, again, if you did make it this far, why don't you go make some music? Why does my voice crack? <laughs> you have to cut like last week's. Mr. Nimoy. Oh.